Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. We are honored once again to uh, have a discussion with Patrick Carlin, who is the Catholic social justice advocate originally from Connecticut and currently working with Vote Common Good as director on Catholic Outreach. His opinions do not necessarily reflect those of the Franciscan Action Network, but his opinions are definitely needed by us all. Welcome aboard, Patrick. How are you doing today? Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm doing great. Um, my wife and I both got our uh, vaccines, so we're feeling free. Um, and, and, uh, you still wearing your mask when you go out? Or? I wear my mask everywhere we go. We're still keeping socially distant, doing all that. And actually, uh, three of my four children have now been vaccinated, and my fourth child is, has her appointment scheduled for uh, about two weeks. Excellent, excellent. I got my two as well. I got the Moderna. Which one did you get? I got Pfizer. You got Pfizer. Excellent. Anyway, look, uh, one of the reasons we wanted to talk is you wrote a pretty long piece, a very detailed piece, and it is called Bold Visionary Thinking is Necessary for Climate uh, for Climate. Yeah, for, mm-hmm. Wait, let me repeat that. Bold Visionary Thinking is Necessary to Combat Climate Crisis. Mm-hmm. And before we even get into the meat of that, I'm going to tell you one particular uh, phrase that stuck out to me, uh, Patrick, and I want to start there, and then we can move on into the details of the, the piece. But it, this is what was said in there. Natural creatures have an intrinsic value independent of their usefulness. Each mm-hmm. organism as a creature or as a creature of God is good and admirable in itself. The same is true of the harmonious ensemble of organisms existing in a defined space and functioning as a system. I think that phrase alone, Mm -hmm. that phrase alone, if humanity could follow that, it would solve just about every problem we have today. So let's go ahead and first expand on that. Yeah, and and so, I I mean, first of all, that's part of uh, Franciscan thinking, Franciscan spirituality. That come from the teachings of St. Francis and others like Bonaventure. Um, but, it, but it's the intersectionality of, of all, everything. And, you know, um, 50 years ago, there was a man, Lynn White, who wrote a piece, an article, and he said that our ec- ecological problems is fundamentally a theological problem. It's not a science problem. It's a theological problem. And his, his thesis was, and he focused it on the idea that, our, and particularly Christianity, he was talking about Christianity, that our Christian belief, our Christian theology teaches us that we have dominion over creation and that creation is here to serve us. Not, we're not all part of, we're not in relationship with creation. And he said, until that changes, we're never going to solve the ecological problem. Um, now we moved away from that a little bit, but he didn't really go far enough. He's talked about that. But what he should have said was the whole idea of our theology as a whole as Christians and the theology of we're here to go there. Our only purpose here is to go there, wherever the there is. And so as long as we believe that we're here so we can get to there, everything we do is about us getting to there. Jesus taught us that what we're here for is to create the kingdom of heaven here. And so if we 
change our theology and we have an opportunity to do that it is changing it's evolving so that we're building the kingdom of heaven that kingdom of heaven will look at all of we'll look at the common good the common home and look at all of creation from that perspective of the intrinsic value you know a tree and i wrote this in the article a tree today only has value um it's only in, inherent value is when it's standing in the forest it has value when it can be cut down and sold. So the question is, is the wood more valuable than the cost of cutting it down? It has no value in terms of serving as a home for birds and squirrels and other animals, as a home for what it does to, to provide oxygen, what it does to connect all of us through its root systems. It has no value from that just from an economic standpoint. So we need to rethink our whole system, starting with our theology, be focused on the common good. Now, that is uh, profound, Patrick, and I think uh, we can expand on that a bit more, right? Because mm -hmm. if you look at, at as capitalism as defined, where it's all about the maximization of profit solely for the benefit of the person who owns that company, the shareholder, uh, then that is how you look at things. But you don't only look, you use the tree as an example, right? And we're mm -hmm. here to talk about the environment and climate change, et cetera. But I, I believe it actually starts with human beings. Mm -hmm. If Let's expand on that statement that I started with. It stated that one should not look at the intrinsic value independent of usefulness. And what we've done with our economic system is the complete opposite of that. If we look at a person that doesn't have work to do or a person that isn't producing something of value, we don't look at well, that person may be doing something that we don't in our society value, but mm -hmm. it's still something being done. Why don't you, let's move it from the tree and yeah. move it to how humans are treated right now, and then we'll get back to the climate. Yeah, and, and, and that's absolutely true. I mean, just look at, at um, arts, people in the art world, and you know, people used to be valued for their artwork. Now, their artwork is only good if it can be sold for a price. And music people, you know, and you know that you're in the entertainment business. People focus right their music so that it can be commercialized and sold. Um, so we, we've lost that intrinsic value. We've lost that connectedness to each other. We're living in a world where it's all about me as an individual. And again, I, I always go back to the theology, the Christian theology of we're here to go there. And so... Um, you know, helping the poor is a, a good example. It's good that we spend time helping the poor only insofar as it helps us get to heaven. If we're helping the poor to help the poor and that's not helping us to get to heaven, then we're not, it's not valuable. And so we need to move away from the theology of we're here for, it's a, you know, salvation, redemption. We're here for salvation and redemption. We're not here for salvation, redemption. We're here for creation. And we all have an intrinsic value. God is part of us. We're part of God. And so because of that, we have to see God in each other. And then we have to see the intrinsic value in each other, whether we're, you know, artists, whether we're writers, or whether the person who, you know, cleans up the uh, toilet bowls. We all have an intrinsic value, and we're all part of the one. Um, and until we get to see that, then... We're never gonna. We're never gonna overcome um, economic inequality. We're never gonna overcome human trafficking. We're not gonna overcome any of those. 
St. Clair was a, a Franciscan, one of the founders of the Franciscan order with St. Francis. And she said that you should see Christ in everybody and Christ should see, and everybody should see Christ in you. And if you're not doing that, go home and start over. And so we have to have that connection to each other. We're all part of the one. We're all individuals as part of the one, but we are part of the whole. And it should be, as Pope Francis talks about, this is our common home. And, you know, I, I often share and talk about every single day, 18,000 children die of starvation or hunger. We could cut our defense budget by 20% in this country, wouldn't hurt our defense at all, and feed every single child in the world forever. So no child would have to go hungry if we just cut 20% off our defense budget. We have to start thinking that way of the common good, not this is going to help me individually or this is going to help my little subset, my group, um, because we're all part of one group. And, you know, it, it is interesting because there are two things that you, you specified, and I think these are specified within the Christian religion, right? That one, we are the dominators of nature. Nature is supposed to be dominated by us. And number two, uh, that uh, we have to start looking at the other at, at human beings for who they are and not as a transition, uh, not doing good towards that human being as a transition to that better yes. whatever it is that we want. And when you when you look when you it, it takes a different frame, and we have the evangelical Christians right now that, in effect, they they go through checkpoints of uh, of what they believe is going to get them to heaven, and they are ruthless in the way they try to enforce it. Of course, most of their leaders are unable to do so uh, in any other than a hypocritical way, but um, th- that is that is their their tenet altogether. I think what you're pointing out here, and I think what the article points out, and like I said, it's an environmental article, but that was a, that statement that I read was what jumped out at me. Yeah. In reading that statement, it was like, wow, this doesn't only apply to the environment, the intrinsic value of a tree, the intrinsic mm-hmm. value of that lion, the intrinsic value of that mm-hmm. elephant. What is it actually doing to make somebody some money? What is it actually doing to keep society as, a, to, to keep the entire ecosystem as a whole so we have Mm -hmm. to look differently now in your in your piece that you wrote you pointed out that for some time now the popes you're catholic the of the franciscan nature uh for some some time now the pope we have a franciscan as a pope now uh, he's actually a jesuit he's not a franciscan jesuit jesuit i what's the difference What's the mm-hmm. difference? Help me. What's the difference? Oh, you, you want to know the difference between the Jesuits and the Franciscans? Yes. We still pretend to be humble. The Jesuits have given up all pretense of being humble. Okay, now, uh, <laughs> but they're all doing good stuff, right? Oh, yeah. No, no. They're, they're just different orders within the Catholic Church. The Franciscans were founded by St. Francis. The Jesuits were founded by Ignatius. But there's Got a it. little bit of a, you know, I, I often tell people, people ask me about Pope Francis and how do we feel as Franciscans about Pope Francis being a Jesuit and taking the name of Francis. And I say, well, all of us in our youth and through our youthful exuberance have made mistakes and errors. And we're so grateful that our Holy Father, as he got older and wiser, saw the errors of his ways. Oh, you humble guy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I said we pretend to be humble. You pretend to be (laughs) humble. But anyway, what you've stated in your article is that these popes, Pope Francis, Pope uh, Benedict, Benedict and the one II. before Benedict, Pope, uh, I don't remember his last his name, 
before John Paul II. John Paul II uh, went ahead and they were always in, uh, writing edicts towards the environment. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And what is it going to take for all these leaders around the world who tend to want to follow uh, the Christian form, not really applying that to the capitalism that is right now destroying the planet? Yeah, and, and just let me comment on that. I mean, I, I look at things through the vision of a Christian because I'm Christian, but I often quote the Quran too. So if you read the Quran, you'll see a lot of the similar statements in the Quran and in the Torah and in you know pretty much every other faith tradition. So it's just, for me, it's easy because I was raised Christian and Catholic and that's, so that's what I quote, but it could be any faith tradition. Um, and the, I mean, I think the popes understood the connection First of all, the idea that we are not here to be dominant over nature. You know, even the term. Wait, let, let, let me let me halt you right there one second. You said we're not here to be dominant over no. nature, but that is what's preached by. If you go to any Pentecostal church, if oh, you ever go to a a, a, uh, a one of these evangelical churches, that's what they're they're teaching. And I believe there's a state, a part of the Bible that insinuates that. Isn't that true? There's parts of the Bible that insinuate lots of things. Right. I mean, the, Part of the Bible that talks about slavery being well, right that's too. true, very true, very so true. I, you know, you have to read the Bible from that perspective. Um, and yes, there's there's Catholics who there's bishops and, and uh, priests who still preach that, but that's not the teaching. That's not the teaching for, that we get from Saint Francis. It's certainly not the teachings that we got from Jesus. And so th those are more teachings that came from Aristotle. Most of our theology today comes from Aristotle, not from Jesus. Um, so, you know, we have to think about that perspective. Um, and that's why I keep saying we need to rethink our theology. We need to, our theology has to evolve. So, so the popes, I think, have come to, particularly Francis, but Benedict and, and John Paul, too, to an extent, come to the, I, the, the realization that we're not here to be uh, dominant over creation, that creation is part of the one. We're all part of creation. We have, you know, we have value, but the tree has value in creation. And that, um, you know, we, we, we got to stop being transactional and become relational. And this is what the, the real beauty of what St. Francis taught us. Everything we do for the most part now, whether it's, you know, economic, spiritual, it's all transactional. We need to start to become relational. We have to be in relationship with creation, not transactional about creation. We have to be in relationship with each other, not transactional with each other. You know, I can't help you because it's going to be good for me. That's defeating the purpose completely. And so we have to move in that direction. And, and let me also say, I wrote a piece a couple months ago about this, about COVID. And, you know, COVID is starting to come, we're starting to see the light. I hate to use the term light at the end of the tunnel because Trump used that term all the time, but we're starting to see um, COVID go away a little bit. We're starting to see some hope. Um, and you hear people saying all the time, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. And I wrote a piece that said, we don't want to get back to normal because normal wasn't good. We want to create, we have an opportunity to create a new normal. We have an opportunity to, to do better. Um, and that's focusing on the common good. Uh, you know, we should all, everything we do, our laws, our government actions, our government programs, anything that we, should, we do should be focused on the common good. And then 
we'll start to build that society that we all hope and dream about. We're not going to do that by passing this law or that law. It's how when we change our basic theology and our basic ways we interact with each other. Did you send me that article? Because that is an article that I would definitely want to. I'll uh, send it to you. I, I, I don't please send that article to me because I think that, I mean, there are others that have written uh, similar articles. We don't want to return to what we thought was normal because what was normal was not all that good. Right. What was yeah, I'll send it to you. No, I, I have no idea if I sent it to you or not, but you know. Please do. I want I want to get that one posted as well. Um, yeah. Now, now, Patrick, you um you brought up the Green New Deal yeah. in your in the piece as well. Now, I I have some mixed feelings about um how the Green New Deal is marketed, and I think uh, you've just even gave me reason to to state that it's. We could use the Green New Deal to ch- reframe thinking as well. Right now, in order to placate many, the Green New Deal is mostly being sold as a job creator. It's being sold as it's going to be good for employment. It's going to be good as opposed to what it's really going to be good for sustainability, mm-hmm. uh, hom- uh, homogeneous a- environment. And, and, and equity, uh, all, all these, the, the things that really should sell it, the great jobs is just a byproduct of good things happening. Yes. So expand on that for me. Yeah. I mean, the Green New Deal, in my opinion, is really about how we relate to each other. Um, it's, it goes much deeper than just it's a job creation. It certainly will create jobs. Um, and, you know, it's, it's fascinating there's a whole part of the Green New Deal that talks about a just transition. And so when you think about that, you think about it's easy. And I, I have this discussion with my friends that work in the green uh, organizations, and they often talk about all the green jobs we're creating. And I say, that's great. You know where we're not creating green jobs? In Western Pennsylvania or in West Virginia or in the other areas where the fo- jobs in fossil fuel are. So if we really want to talk about we have to think about it from that perspective of how do we create jobs in these communities where job loss is happening? How do we, you know, think about it holistically? And that's what the Green New Deal does is think about holistically how do we move forward, not look at each of these individual things. The other side of it is, as you, you, know, you saw, and I think I mentioned this in the article, in the uh, last election, you know, people were talking about the Green New Deal as if it was from Satan. Um, and, you know, it, it's so, so just the term Green New Deal has taken on, you know, a whole meaning in itself, depending on which side of the aisle you, you're from. And we have to move away from that. We have to move away from labeling it as this, just what you said. This is not what it is. It is a, a, an idea, a concept of how we can start to relate to each other, how we can build community together. It gives us a blueprint for doing that. This is not a piece of legislation that's going to mandate it. It's a blueprint for how. And, and we need to start doing more of that. We need to start looking at, we, we talk about how, well, we have to do better. You know, we have to deal with income inequality. We have to deal with uh, racism, but we don't talk about how we're going to deal with that, how we're going to uh, approach that. We just talk about that. We have to do it. We have to move beyond that part of it into the action side and say, here's some steps we can take to do it. Not going to be easy. People are going to be angry people because people are going to lose some part of their lifestyle and they're going to get angry when that happens. But we have to be 
understand that and be ready for that and, and, and you know, provide some healing. As people of faith, we have to be there to help people grieve over the loss of their lifestyle. Um, but it's part of what the common good is about. We're all in this together. One of the reasons I love talking to you is that uh, you force what we all know as critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Because the problem we have today is people don't think from the brain. They don't think critically. They have a tendency to think from the hip. I know you mm-hmm. can't really do that, but you understand what I mean. <laughs> In other words, yeah. I, I throw out a phrase that hits you. I, I know how to throw those phrases out that hits you a particular way. And you don't get a chance to, to, to really start thinking about what the person is saying. What I've learned to do over the years is to let somebody give their entire thought so that I can make a complete analysis of it. And what I love about your piece, which is a fairly long piece, mm-hmm. is that that is exactly what you did, not only from your own think, your own critical thinking, but also from the thinking of many others that have come before you or that are there mm-hmm. with you. I think that is what's important. So, yeah. you know, I, I um, a couple of years ago, and this is shortly after the the a Green New Deal proposal came out, I was invited to give a talk in, in Western Pennsylvania. And it was at a Catholic church. And um, the person who invited me mentioned to me, you probably, they, they wanted me to give a talk about Laudato Sea and climate. And they said, you probably shouldn't mention the Green New Deal because you, you know, this is Western Pennsylvania, it's cold country to an extent. So I went and I talked all about the Green New Deal. I didn't mention the Green New Deal. I didn't mention climate change. And at the end of my talk, people were very much supportive of everything I said. If I had gone in there and said the word Green New Deal or climate change, they would have blocked off completely. They would have never listened to another word I had to say. So we really have to think about how we present things. And it's not, we're not trying to be deceiving people. We're just trying to get them to listen a little more and, and, and really think, as, I, as you said, critically. That is a magic right there, um, because I, I've run through that same thing with in my conservative area, having conversation with people on Medicare for all. And we I sat down with this woman and we talked about Medicare for all. But I didn't never use the word. I just thought it wouldn't it be nice if because she was having problems with her insurance company. But she was a conservative to the core who believed in the entire capitalist form of health insurance. And I said, we were talking nicely. And I told her things like, don't you think it would be nice if we did this? And wouldn't it be nice? if we... and, or, yes. and, and then sometimes I asked her, what would you have done? And sometimes the answer she gave is the answer that Medicare for all gives. Yes. And I started to feel a bit guilty because it was like, oh, my God, this girl, woman doesn't know that she's talking to a left wing left-wing kind of dude you know and i said ma'am i just want you to know that i am very liberal i'm a progressive guy to put it bluntly i'm a democratic socialist she her eyes opened wide she turned very red and she said but you're so nice (laughs) you don't have horns (laughs) and then what i said is we all are they are too yeah we have allowed externalities to come in and really blow us apart for yeah. the betterment of just a few. And that I always go back to that statement that you put. We got to start looking at the intrinsic value of each of us, you know? Yes. And, 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 and also try to look for the goodness in each of us. But anyhow, we're coming close to the close mm-hmm. of this thing. So you know what, Mike? You've been interviewed by me before, so I hope you're yeah. ready for this. Okay? <laughs> what didn't I ask you? However many things I didn't ask you that you really want to say, Egberto, this is what we need to have 
in this particular interview, the people need to know this? So I think I thought about this because I knew you were going to ask this question. And, and let me just say, I really appreciate uh, being on your show and, and, and um, talking with you. Um, I think we had some great conversations. Um, I, I think, you know, we sort of touched on it a little bit, but the whole idea of um, that we have to rethink our theology and rethink that so that, you know, the idea that the intersectionality of all of creation and how we are part of our common home. That's what we should be moving forward on is thinking from that perspective that, and again, it's, it's our common home is here, not there, we, the move away. I'm giving a talk in a couple of weeks with Brian McLaren, who I don't know if you've had Brian on, but if not, you should have him on your show. Um, wonderful man. And, and we've talked about this a little bit is how much our theology has played into the problems that we're having today and how we haven't evolved into a, a, a theology that is makes sense for today's society. And that's where we need to be. We need to have those kind of conversations. I don't pretend to know the answers. I just know the questions. And, uh, but, you know, I always remind people that um, if you read all the gospels, Jesus never answered any questions. He just answered questions with more questions. And so, um, I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, but I'm going to be like Jesus and just keep asking questions. And the other side of it is we have to make people feel uncomfortable because if you're not uncomfortable, you're not changing. And it's only when we get in our, out of our comfort zone and embrace the uncomfortableness that we change and transform. Well, Mr. Patrick Carolyn, a Franciscan who says you guys are, you play like you're humble. I think you're really really humble because when you say you ask the questions the fact of the matter is you know you have a lot of the answers as well so um look it's been my pleasure to have patrick carlon uh who is the director of vote common good right mm -hmm. yeah that's for catholic so. outreach still doing that i'm also you do a to lot together uh, a, a catholic for common good organization um working with a, um, a number of other folks on just this whole concept of, you know, there's a great uh, program going on in Europe with young people on the economy of Francesco. And it's all about the economy of the common good. And so I'm talking to people in Europe about that and how can we bring that over to the United States to bring people together to talk about an economy of the common good. So. And the reason we had to do this half hour early is that you, uh, as soon as you get off here, you're running to the farm that's, that's creating a whole lot of vegetables, that's growing a whole lot of vegetables and goods for the soup kitchen that you guys populate every day. Look, Patrick, yeah. Carolyn, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.